Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Serena Weber Bay is a United States Coast Guard licensed chief engineer of steam and diesel unlimited horsepower vessels. She has been sailing with the Maritime Engineers Beneficial Association since her graduation from SUNY Maritime College in 2004, where she earned a third assistant engineer's license, as well as a Bachelor of Engineering Mechanical. Sailing off the board with the union has allowed her the opportunity to work on multiple types of vessels, and she is currently a port engineer working ashore in Long Beach, California. Welcome, Serena. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, well, I'm just really interested. This is not something that I'm super familiar with, so I'm just really interested to hear a little bit about your background and how you discovered uh, marine engineering as a possible career option and just sort of your path, maybe from childhood or young adulthood into that field. Okay, well, I grew up in Far Rockaway, Queens in New York City. And I mean, I grew up on the water, although I don't really recall ever being on a boat. My dad says when we were young that we had like sailboats and dinghies and canoes and whatnot. For high school, I had the opportunity to attend a vocational school called the Fashion Industries High School. And I was very much into fashion, retail, business. And my goals, I mean, I thought that I was going to be like traveling the world in like adorable suits and that, you know, I was going to visit all these posh countries and that was going to be my life. So when I looked for colleges to attend, I looked for schools that had these, you know, international business majors. And while I was looking through my state university book of schools, I came across SUNY Maritime. And I saw that they had a training ship that went to Europe every summer. And I was like, mom, I'm going here. And my mom was like, um, there were uniforms. I think that's a military school. And I was like, eh, let's go check it out. So I visited the school and I initially applied and was accepted to be a marine transportation major, which they explained to me was more like international business. But after I took some classes and whatnot, I was lured to the dark side of engineering by one of the science teachers who saw that I had an act in all my math and science classes. And they were like, you know, this career would probably suit you better because if you don't want to go to sea, which I did not know what that meant at the time. So like, if you don't want to go to sea, you know, there's always a lot of shore-based jobs in engineering, and this is just a better career path. And so from then, I switched over to engineering and never looked back. So you wanted to be in fashion and then you wanted to travel the world as a glamorous fashion person. <laughs> so you saw that there was this option to take a course of study that you didn't really care what it was, but it led you to Europe. <laughs> yes. Possibly. I love that. But you know what? That shows your sense of adventure. So I really think that's probably a major quality of, of your profession. So. Okay. So you were studying this at school. You got into engineering you know, what was it like being a woman in, in college in that major? Were there other women? So my school is, was very small when I attended. I can't remember how many students came into the class, but one of the things they say to you during indoctrination, because this is a quasi-military school, 
was mm-hmm. look to your left, look to your right. They're like, two of you will not be here upon mm-hmm. graduation. So I graduated with about 100 people. That must, I'm, my incoming class is probably about 300 students. And after indoctrination, after freshman year, people are dropping and disappearing like flies. And even more so with the number of women. In my indoctrination class, there were probably about 50 women out of that 300. And by the time mm-hmm. I graduated, there were about 10 of us. Out wow. of so it being a quasi-military school, you also had to deal with you know people yelling at you, you're wearing uniforms. There's a lot of sleep deprivation involved because you had to do room inspections, you had to do formations, you had to take, I took 174 credits in four years. And that comes down to, you're, you know, you're taking it on the average 20 to 22 credits a semester. So you have all of the military stuff and then your classes. And, you know, at one point I actually switched from my Bachelor of Engineering down to a Bachelor of Science and Facilities Engineering. And I remember that semester I got like all A's and I was like, eh, this is too easy. So I went back to torture myself in the BE study. Yeah, you like to challenge yourself. Yeah, one of the things I noticed was just like over the years in a lot of our engineering classes, when we had to get together for projects, the boys never wanted to pick and work with the girls. It was always, you know, you'd look around the classroom and you and the other girls were put together for whatever reason. They just, you know, a lot of times did not want to be involved with us. And I think uh, it went all the way to my senior year. I had to do a marine engineering design project where we basically designed our own power plant. And there were, you had to do a lot of calculations by hand and through Excel formulas. And most other groups had three people except for myself and the other female that I worked with in that class. We didn't have a third partner. That's not fair. Yeah, that's, I think a lot of women could probably relate to that experience in these male dominated fields and especially during the educational process. Okay, well, yeah, tell us about that. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your transition into the working world. What was your first job after college? I had the opportunity to join my union, the Marine Engineers Beneficial Association. I, at our career fair in 2004, it was very sad. There were slim pickings. I want to say there were two unions and maybe two shipping companies there. There weren't a lot of like land-based companies. I'm not sure exactly why, but I say that, you know, the department that should have put together a better career fair did not do a very good job. So honestly, I wanted to go to sea because I knew that the opportunities for basically vacation was what I was looking forward to. I could work and then I could travel. And I was like, yes, the travel part, you know, I want the time off. I want to go to the beach. I wanted to live in Hawaii. I had a lot of grand ideas. And so one of the training instructors from our training ship he had taken that, he liked me, and he directed me right over to my union and said, this is Serena, she is joining, you know, nice to meet you. <laughs> and so I went to the hall and I got on my first ship, which was the American Heavy Lift New River. It was a tanker, steam tanker built in the 1950s. And, you know, there happened to be another female on board. And it was a learning experience. Thank goodness it was a steamship because it was very similar to the training ship that I had been on for the past four years. And I mean, the learning curve was steep, but I learned a lot. I survived, you know, and made it to my vacation. (laughs) Well, I want to hear a little bit more about that because I think, you know, the perks of the job are something that might interest people. So what, so you get to go, you travel and you're working and then tell us a little bit about how you get time off and what you're able to do. So typically on the union, I would say for every, 30 days you work, you get somewhere between 20 and 30 days off. As you move up higher, your the number of days per, you know, in the ratio gets higher. 
So now feeling as like first engineer, chief engineer, you get almost day for day vacation. And so, you know, in order to earn a good pension year, you have to get a certain number of days that which includes covered employment, which includes vacation. So, you know, you might work for 120 days and then take vacation for 120 days. And now you've had a full pension year. So that was one of the things that obviously attracted me and has kept me in this job. Obviously, getting to travel to different ships all over the world is another fun thing. I mean, some people don't like it. I love to look out plane windows. I had a 15-hour layover in Paris, and I took the opportunity to go to the Louvre and to go to the Eiffel Tower. And, you know, it's just the opportunities that have been afforded by, you know, my union and this job. I love it. That is so interesting. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience, you know, as a woman, you know, once you started working and then also maybe, you know, as you get to your destinations, when you're disembarking, how you're received as being one of the only women? Okay. So my field is very male dominated. And not only do we work together, we live together 24 seven. So, you know, your room is next door, most likely to other males upstairs, well, not upstairs, above and below, you know, your subordinates, are usually males, the people that are your peers and the people that work above you are usually males. So you're eating meals with these people and hopefully your ship has a good atmosphere. I think my first ship, I spent a lot of time in my room reading books. I don't even remember if there was a gym on board. Now I get on board, you know, I kind of get the lay of the land. I want to know exactly what's going on. So I've tend to found that there are some instances where people do violate, you know, like your personal space or your personal time. I've had like, you know, creepy phone calls, people inviting me to their room to quote unquote watch a movie. And I just found that you, if you know, if you do want to hang out and be social on a ship, you just try to find a neutral space and a neutral activity to do that. And, you know, like keep others out of your personal space because that is, you know, your safe place on board. And I have spoken to some women that like actually sleep with their doors unlocked. I don't know if it's where I grew up, but like I absolutely 100%, I don't feel secure unless my door is like locked. Yeah, well, that makes sense. One other thing is that working with men all the time, the job requires that we're able to like pick up something that's 35 pounds and walk 10 feet holding it, that we can go up and down vertical ladders and whatnot. There are certain like physical requirements to the job. And at this point in time, we know that it's unsafe for you to lift certain items by yourself, you know, or lift things improperly. And so, you know, it's very possible for women to succeed in this role. And a lot of times, you know, early on, I would have a lot of people say, oh, no, let me get that for you. Or you can't do this. Or, you know, she's not strong enough. Or, you know, I don't know how. But obviously, because of, you know, all these practices like, you know, OSHA affecting our industry and people being injured, a lot of that has changed. And so now it's definitely more accepting of, you know, having a woman on board and, you know, working alongside them and including them. And I know it's not perfect, but it's definitely getting better. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. I'm really interested to hear about when you very first got on your first ship, because I'm just trying to imagine like, for me, when I was starting college, you know, I had a little bit of fear of just like, you know, not knowing anybody and arriving at this new place. I can't even imagine stepping onto a boat at such a young age and being one of, you said, two women on the, on the boat? Yes. Well, one of the things my dad always told me was that I had to carry my own bags. So I was insistent about carrying my own like baggage up the gangway. And I think I had a lot because I knew that I was going to be somewhere for 90 days or more. My friends and my peers had told me, you know, when you get on board, find the chief engineer, let them know that you're there. 
and you know what do they need you to do you know the chief was like all right we'll go see the captain get signed on we get like familiarized with the vessel mm-hmm. and then the you know the chief once i was all, i finished all the paperwork the chief was like okay well head down to watch and relieve you know the the eight to twelve watch engineer that's who you're going to be taking over for and so I'm going down the stairs into the engine room and I see this guy, like he gets his eyes on me and he starts running up the stairs out of the engine room. And I was like, that's not a good sign. Hmm. And <laughs> I found out that he had been on board for like 132 days. So when he saw his relief coming, he did not care who it was. He was out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So you know what? You were very, you were appreciated. You were very appreciated. Yeah. And I had a really good watch junior. He taught me a lot of just like, what was supposed to be done. So he knew what my responsibilities were. And there was like, I remember there was a notebook and then there was a pile of like papers. These are like, these are all the preventative maintenance items you're responsible for. And then I couldn't really find like instructions on how to like start or stop equipment. And so the second engineer and the first engineer, they taught me, you know, how they did things on that vessel. And I could not understand the first engineer to save my life. This guy was from somewhere deep in Texas. I couldn't understand, but he showed me and I wrote everything down. And I think I still have those notebook pages like that I had ended up taking with me. I copied them for the next person and then I took them with me. So I was like, this is valuable information on how to like, you know, get a steam turbine rolling by yourself. And the second engineer taught me how to blow tubes on this, you know, 50 year old steam boiler using chains. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I might not ever need this information, but it's just good practical knowledge. So I was very lucky. The people on that ship were very accepting and willing to teach. And I had a good time, mostly. So tell tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. So what's your current job? So I also have the opportunity to work ashore. And right now I'm working as a port engineer for a shipping company that's based out of Hawaii, but they have offices along the West Coast. And so I work in Long Beach. I have two vessels that they do what they call the China Express Run. They go from Long Beach to Hawaii to Guam, China, and then back to LA. And so when they arrive in the port of Long Beach, this is their major repair port. And so once the vessel leaves here, you know, we kind of summarize all the work that we've done. And then, you know, as they're going along, you know, throughout their journey, which is about 35 days, obviously more items come up. You have a lot of annual like preventative maintenance things that are quarterly or semi-annual. And so, you know, we just work through all those items and just try to keep the ship, you know, being maintained as best we can and running efficiently. If they encounter any problems, I try to, you know, liaison between them and maybe like the OEM and try to, you know, get some help anywhere if they need it or if they need it remotely. So basically, I just, I try to assist the ship to get, you know, where they need to go from A to B as fast as possible. Yeah, I think I read um, for an article that you were interviewed for, you were talking about how it's an interesting job because you never really encounter the same problem more than once or every time it's every time you encounter a problem, it's a little bit different than the previous time is do you what do you think about that aspect of your job? Is that something you enjoy? Yes. I mean, when I first hear about the problem, sometimes I'm like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to solve this? But, you know, that's like the first fleeting thought. And then after that, I'm like, okay you know, pull up the manual. We have access to that in the computer. I'm like, get a hold of my contacts, you know, whatever vendor or manufacturer or whoever I need, you know, that can help me solve this problem. You know, get in contact with the ship depending how much of an emergency it is and, you know, just try to work through it. And so, I, you know, definitely take notes. 
I find that writing things down is, you know, what my saving grace and something that helps me keep on top of the job. And then if I have that problem or a similar issue, I can always go back to those notes. So I have notepads everywhere. <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> so what is your, you know, favorite part of your job? And I guess, do you miss being on the boat or how, how does it compare to being on the land? Well, I definitely miss being at sea. This summer, this past summer in 2019, I had the opportunity to sail, actually go to sea as chief engineer on one of my favorite ships. And it was actually the last trip before this ship went to become razor blades. So myself and a captain that I knew, we took it for um, a cargo run and we had the most beautiful weather that I could ever imagine. Every day it was like cutting through butter and it was just like beautiful clouds, skies, and it was just like such a good experience. And obviously we encountered some issues down below, but you know, myself and the crew and thank goodness, like they trusted me. I had a really good first engineer and we were, we managed to get from A to B to C and back to A and have the ship laid up again in good time and without any major complications. And I miss that feeling, you know, I really enjoy being at sea. I love the views. I love, it's like relaxing to not look at your cell phone all the time. Yeah. Yeah. To focus on accomplishing something every day, whether it's paperwork or maintenance or whatever the case is and being responsible for it. But being on land, the hard part about this job is just that I don't get the same vacation I got when I was at sea. That sounds beautiful, though, your experience being at sea. Can you tell us what has been your biggest professional accomplishment so far? What are you most proud of? I would say definitely last summer, sailing as chief engineer. Working as poor as, well, I earned my chief engineer's license probably five or six years ago. And a lot of people will immediately look for that job or that opportunity to sell chief. They're like, I have the license. I deserve to get out there and do it. Whereas myself, I was a little bit more reserved. I wanted to gain some more experience. I wanted to learn the paperwork because I didn't want to get into that job and then flounder or not do well and, you know, maybe make other women look bad. I was like, I'm going to do this and it's going to be perfect. And maybe that's because I'm a perfectionist or as the, a lot of people tell me detail oriented, but I wanted to make sure that when, you know, it was my time that things went well. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really important point. Um, you know, it's something that we as women have to deal with is that if we mess up, we have to worry about making other women look bad. It makes actually no sense, but it's a reality that we have to deal with. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can understand. So have you had mentors um, over the years? And if so, how, how have they helped you? I have had some mentors in a way that, you know, they see that there are certain areas of my management style that I might be struggling with. And so they've taken the time to say, hey, this is an area that I think that you can improve upon. And also just seeing that I might be ready for the next step. When I was sailing as first engineer saying, hey, you know, there's going to come a time where someone's going to ask you to sail as chief engineer. So I think you should learn some of these responsibilities that I'm doing. And so, you know, it might sound, you know, for them, it's definitely a break to be like, hey, do my paperwork every day. But for me, <laughs> it was, you know, a learning experience to, you know, sit down and, you know, maybe like help them write communications to the office, just learning how you're supposed to speak to people professionally and how to get the paperwork done efficiently, how to manage people effectively without harming anyone's delicate sensitivities. Because when you're at sea, I can guarantee you, you have a crew of like 30 people on the ship and you have to interact with everyone and you never know who might be in a mood that day. And if you say something that might affect them, it could change 
you know, the whole attitude of the ship and the environment. So like that part of the management, especially like living and working with everyone is so difficult. And it's something that everyone is still trying to master. Yeah, it's a unique set of challenges. What would be your overall advice to just to women that are interested in learning more about this field or actually, I guess, learning more about it, but really getting into it and succeeding in the way that you have? What would be your most significant, I guess, piece of advice to them? So for people that are looking to get into the career, you know, I would definitely suggest to look into different opportunities in STEM. Thank goodness there are so many opportunities now as opposed to when I was younger. There are maritime schools all over the country there that offer, you know, the, the career path to become an officer on board. And there are also schools that offer the ability to enter the maritime industry in the lowest level. So, you know, there are ladders on ships and you can get from the bottom all the way to the top. You know, they call that like climbing the hawse pipe. And so that's a way to work your career where you can start out as the wiper or as the ordinary seaman, which means that you are literally like wiping things up or like learning the very basics of tying knots. And then you can work your way up to being the chief engineer or the captain. So, you know, I would say don't get discouraged or distracted on your way. Like don't become complacent, like in your position. So you'll see a lot of people in this industry that will join at a certain level and maybe stay in that level for a long period of time. And, you know, I hate to see it. And I always, when I see someone, especially if they have, you know, some type of app for something, you know, I encourage them to move on to that next level, that next position, achieve that higher license or, you know, documents so that they can, you know, do better. Yeah. Do you have a certain mantra that keeps you going? Yes. So when I first started out in this industry, like I said, I was very much about my time off, my vacation. And there was this joke amongst, you know, some of the younger members of my union, because most of our contracts are 90 days. We would always call like our work like a 90 day guarantee. It would be like, okay, well, I fixed that. It's got a 90 day guarantee like, until, <laughs> until you got off the ship. Right. <laughs> but now that, you know, I'm going back to a lot of the same vessels, especially working as like port engineer, when you, like we say, leave it better than you found it. So instead of just, you know, fixing something, we're trying to maybe fix and improve that thing so that we don't have to come back to go and fix the same thing every 90 days. Yeah. That makes sense. If you were talking to yourself, maybe the 16-year-old you who wanted to get into fashion and travel the world, what would you tell her? I would say, for starting out in this industry for myself, I would say the same thing that I tell, like, you know, the younger, I have, I have some mentees and I tell them to speak up for themselves. And that's because when I was younger, I mean, I would speak up for myself like at work, but if someone ever said something to me that I knew in my the back of my head was wrong or offensive, I would usually laugh it off. And obviously there's this term that they have in like the harassment industry that's called being a known quantity. And that's usually someone who, you know, they, they could just say it's a troublemaker. But now it's okay for us to speak up for ourselves. You know, when you hear or say something that someone is saying that you know is wrong, you see them saying it to someone else. I mean, my advice is to just speak up whether it's, you know, I know the answer to this question and that someone's asking me or I know how to fix this thing, you speak up. If you see someone saying something that's offensive to someone else on board the vessel, speak up for your shipmate. And so a lot of times, you know, I was quiet or I would like mumble things under my breath when I knew the answer. And so that's something that I wish that I could change. And now I'm definitely not afraid to speak up. 
And that's because after 16 years, people kind of know who I am in this industry. So I guess that I have like, you know, the experience and maybe, I guess, yeah, I guess I have the experience to back it up. Yeah, of course. Well, Serena, this has been so inspiring. And, you know, I think a lot of women, young women who may not have been aware of this industry or maybe just slightly aware of it, they now have you to look up to. Um, Are you open to doing any mentoring or have you done any mentoring for women interested in your field? I currently do some mentoring through Women Offshore. It's a 501c charity and I have a few mentees there and they're like just starting out in this industry. I also found and snagged a mentor through that program. And I saw that you have started a mentee program with Hazard Girls, so I'm definitely interested. I don't know if, you know, we would end up with people in the same field, but if there are definitely engineers out there that have any ideas or questions, you know, I'm open to it. Yes, we do have a mentoring program in Hazard Girls. So if you're in the group or if you would like to join the group, listeners, please check it out because we have a lot of women with experience in different industries who have already signed up to be mentors and we have openings so for, to be mentored. So, or if you would like to be a mentor, please do check that out. And Serena, thank you for bringing that up. Um, and I think it's really cool that you've done that. So is there any one last thing you'd like to share with us? Just wanted to talk about being a woman, not only, but a black woman in this industry. So I feel sometimes, and maybe, you know, I, that I've had to work three times as hard, you know, when I show up to a vessel. I work in a male-dominated industry, but not only that, it's a white male-dominated industry. So when there are a lot of assumptions early on when I would join a vessel, because you don't see a lot of people of color in positions of like management or positions of power in this industry. And so when I would walk up the gangway, a lot of people would say to me, oh, hey, you know, are you the wiper or are you the new like junior? They didn't expect me to say that I was the second engineer or the third engineer. And I would... That has obviously changed now that I'm a little bit older. And I, like I said, I have this experience and my name, my industry is very small. So people kind of know who I am. Now when I walk up the gangway, they're like, oh, Serena's here. Are you joining as the first or are you the chief? You know, and a lot of people, they know me by my pink vest in the port. So they're like, oh, that's the port engineer. Everybody watch out for her. <laughs> so I just hope that, you know, going down the road that I see more women in positions of like management level and the shipping companies at sea and the same thing for persons of color because for me i haven't had that to look up to and just i'm hoping that i'm setting a good example out there for you know women and people of color in this industry oh my gosh yes that's thank you so much for adding that i think it's a really important point your career journey you know it's not it's one not a lot of women might know about but now they maybe they do after listening to you here today and It's great that you've been able to share your story with the world and inspire people to check out the maritime field. Oh, and I wanted to ask you, where can people get in touch with you? They can definitely find me on Facebook or uh, they can find me on Instagram at I wear mermaid pants. I wear mermaid pants. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Serena. Thank you, Emily. I appreciate it. It was a good combo. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.